0: What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt back here with Mike K for the latest episode of the No Huddle Show. The last time we were here, Mike was about to go away for the week. And when he left, the world started uh, going a little crazy. And there's been a lot of stuff going on over the last week that don't have anything to do with sports. I don't think there's really that much that Mike and I can add that you haven't heard from a lot more provocative people than us. Uh, Other than to say, I know the Eagles... uh, I mean, you could talk, speak to this a little more than I can, but it's, it seems like the Eagles behind the scenes on their Zoom calls have really been like talking about all of these issues. I know there was like a story uh, about police brutality and racism and all that stuff, and I know there's a story about how Deshaun Jackson like really impacted Jason Kelsey, which led Jason Kelsey to posting something on social media. Uh, you know, we've talked. I don't. Maybe we know Carson Wentz's thing probably came after the last episode. Carson Wentz posted to Twitter after George Floyd died. Um, and so it seems Ertz, like this. this yeah. yeah, so to Eckers. Um, M- Malik Jackson has been really empowered by this. It seems like he's really spoken out quite a bit. Uh, I mean, this is the Eagles have always been an organization unless their players talk. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins, that was his calling card. He spoke to all the racial issues. Uh, there was two years ago, was when he was in the locker room er, around this time, where he held up signs that said "You aren't listening," and, and it had to do with the whole anthem debate and. And how the NFL wasn't listening to their players, and and beyond that, even just the issues in the country, how you know people in power weren't listening to them or whatever. Um, I mean, what what do you make of the way the Eagles responded to it? I guess that's how we can talk about it because I don't think it's you and I should be the one, ones going into like the specifics, obviously.
1: Well, I, I said this at the time when when Carson made his statement. Um, I think it showed some maturity and some leadership capability that we haven't seen from him before. That doesn't mean that it's. It's shocking and new to his teammates, but at least from an external standpoint, he's not a guy who has been longing to make political statements or, or social statements of any kind. He really sticks to tweeting about, you know, his faith and hunting and his family. This was completely a, a different turn for him, and I think it, it will play well in the locker room. I, I think Zach Ertz came out and had a very uh, similar message with his response to the George Floyd uh murder um i i think when you look at how this team has kind of you know they've come together in a way that it really hasn't been messy at all right i mean doug peterson is a guy who for all of his strengths and weaknesses you can definitely point out that his biggest Uh, positive is that he knows how to keep a locker room together. He knows how to reach each and every one of his, of his players and keep them as a unit. And I think from my standpoint, this was just par for the course. I mean, you had some bigger names reaching out about subjects that maybe made them a little uncomfortable, but they stood united when you brought up Deshaun Jackson speaking to the team. I think you saw the way Jason Kelsey responded. You saw the way Jake Elliott responded. Jake Elliott, not only, wrote a statement and, and kind of made a public decree, but he protested with his teammates uh, this past weekend. I think when you look at the way the white teammates have really kind of put their arms around their black teammates and said, look, this matters to me because it matters to you. I think that's a very good sign of a team coming together and the camaraderie that Doug Peterson has built in that locker room.
0: You know, you know, one thing I, took away from it ties back to Deshaun you know the, the Eagles uh got rid of Malcolm Jenkins this half season uh there's a chance Jason Peters doesn't come back and those are two of if not the two most important leaders that the Eagles have had in that locker room over the last decade really um and so like you wonder like who's gonna fill that void you 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 would hope and think that Carson Wentz is one of those guys uh if he hadn't already and I think Deshaun Jackson is really like really staked his claim as like a mature guy in that locker room uh a guy that during their towards the end of the season when he was injured I believe he spoke to the team about going out there and fighting and all that stuff and it's it's really it's yeah I know this was like this that storyline kind of faded away last year because he got hurt and he barely played but like throughout the offseason there were a lot of stories from behind the scenes about just the way he was really like taking young guys under his wing how he was working to bond with Carson and it's a real far cry from when he was younger and you know, it's not that he wasn't working hard, but like practice wasn't the first thing on his mind, and maybe being a great teammate wasn't always the top thing on his mind. And I, I, I find it cool and interesting that Deshaun has really like transitioned into this stage of his career where he knows he's a veteran, he has to act like it. And I don't think you're going to see Alshon Jeffrey making speeches because he barely even says very many words. He might not be on the team anyway. But the point being, I think Deshaun realized that this is, in particular, like an area that he can talk about. You know. i th- he's talked about how he's been racially profiled in the past and he comes from a place in Compton that had a lot of problems with, you know, crime and police and all that stuff. So I, I, I think that's something to take away from this. I think Gorn, however healthy he is this year, it seems like he's really grasped that locker room to get a guy like Jason Kelsey to do what he did without like Jason, Jason even said on, on his post on Instagram, he's like, I hate how people use social media to act like, you know, they want everybody to know how like, supportive they are instead of just being supportive. And then he heard Deshaun talk and he realized that he has to say something. And I, I think that's, that was a really powerful part of the whole Kelsey Deshaun thing.
1: I was talking to somebody about this off, you know, off our, our group chat and um, they were saying what they learned from, from all this, from, from the white person standpoint is it, it, using your voice and letting the people on the other side of the argument know that they're heard. It has been made a big impact On on not only black teammates, but black friends and and the black community, Um, you and I aren't obviously trying to editorialize this, but I think the the key word for this Eagles team is perspective, right? Um, Deshaun Jackson gained perspective as he aged, as he grew older, as he became a father. Um, Carson Wentz gained perspective when he listened to his teammates, became a father, had that transition. I can speak from experience that fatherhood has definitely given me a lot more perspective. It's also made me like you a lot less because you don't have <laughs> as many responsibilities as me. But um I I think I think perspective is important not only in, in this situation but in most situations that some of us feel uncomfortable talking about and um it seems like the Eagles have found that united perspective. Moving forward, and I think that'll help them going into this offseason, especially an offseason where this is unprecedented. You know, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but you know, the Eagles coaching, the Eagles opened up their facility on Monday, uh, and coaches weren't there. The coaching staff feels like they have made enough progress through virtual uh, offseason program workouts that. You know they feel good. They feel good about their guys training away from the facility. They feel they they can accomplish things away from the facility. I know for a fact that Tim Hauk was out in Montana last week, so he was calling in from another location. Coaches are all scattered across the country and wherever they spend their off season. Players are scattered around the country. You have uh, I spoke to Will Parks today, and he said that he was out training with high school kids this past week. So. Um, and there was obviously a lot of guys protesting wherever they were. So the Eagles have put a lot of confidence in their players. And I think again, perspective, it's giving players the, uh, the self accountability and the accountability towards each other that a lot of players desire. When you hear players talk about their teammates and they talk about their coaches, they want to feel like they're trusted. And it seems like the Eagles are doing a very good job building internal trust between the coaching staff and the roster. And I think that's very important, especially with so many new additions this off season.
0: And, and, you know, this, this kind of ties into this and we'll get into some other stuff uh, in a moment, like you just mentioned, and we're going to do a little mini mailbag pod here. But one one thing I've been thinking about, especially over the last few days where you had all those players uh, in that video, you know, Michael Thomas put together with Saquon and Patrick Mahomes and, and all those guys kind of calling out the NFL to, you know, say the things that they've refused to say. And a lot of owners haven't said in their statements and, and to acknowledge, you know, the way they handled the Anthem stuff. And that just had me think like, you're really going to see in the fall, I think, like, I think there's almost going to be universal kneeling or something along those lines, something showing, like, unity. Or And there's going to be a lot of players on one knee when the, when week one starts. And uh, I think that just goes back to that. When that was happening a couple of years ago, there were a lot of owners that and coaches that didn't want their players kneeling. They wanted uniformity with their team or whatever. And, and I, I think it's gotten to the point where they can't really – do that anymore and i don't think they will and the eagles were supportive i mean you remember they brought michael bennett in who historically is one of the most outspoken players that has maybe ever played in the nfl and he was on a roster with malcolm jenkins and i don't know if they had all the exact same viewpoints in general and they seem to still get along pretty well and i think michael bennett spent a lot of the national anthems in the locker room that year um so i'm just curious like how much of a storyline that becomes when the season starts and i'm sure It'll become a political issue and all that stuff. We're not here to talk about that, but I, that was just kind of in the back of my mind the other day.
1: Yeah, I think that's a valid point. I think when you talk about what this what this team is able to accomplish from the top on up, right? Ownership. Jeffrey Lurie is probably one of the more progressive thinkers in the league. Um, if they can build a united front, I mean, Lurie's known as a guy who's been friends with his players, best friends with Jason Peters, right? So. Um, it seems like he is the type of owner that sees his players as people. And and it's pretty clear that that sentiment is shared throughout every rung of the organization. And I think that's why this team has been able to stick together over the last three years, despite all the adversity they've faced.
0: Yeah. All right. We can transition into uh, the facility talk. So minicamp would have started around this week, I believe, mandatory minicamp. Uh, it seems like that's not going to happen. I I don't think I ever thought it actually would. Uh, Eagles, they opened their facility for the first time today since March when this hall hit and there's no coaches, as you mentioned, there's no players. There won't be any players, at least until training camp, uh, coaches. I'm not as sure about it. Seems like some teams might start letting their coaches go. I think some might've already started letting them be there. Actually. Um, what do you make of that? Um, and then we we can even tie this into like just a general topic. Like, who are some players that you think are most like impacted by not having the time to be in mini, on the field in minicamp? I, I think it's probably like a little overspoken about how much they're losing, but I think for like certain players, they really could have used the extra practice time, especially guys like playing different positions or rookies or whatever.
1: Yeah, two guys that you know come to mind are Jalen Hurts and and um, uh, Khalil Tate. Right, your guy from Arizona. You know tate's transitioning to a new role uh and i would say jalen hurts you know learning the quarterback position is completely different than the college game he's a guy who's coming in as a guy who needs to be developed to begin with and he's not going to get the normal allotted amount of time to get eased into the system through rookie minicamp through otas through uh mandatory minicamp he's just getting a training camp and we don't even know what the training camp's going to look like right so um you know, the quarterback position is a position that needs development. It's not something like you can just walk off the field – or walk, off, walk from the draft, hold your jersey up, and then go throw football in the NFL. It's just not the case. And especially if you're going to have a role this year, which I can get into a little bit more later, like you have to have that seasoning. And right now he's coming in kind of bland. Um, and I think – that could be a problem for his development. It could be why you don't see him have an immediate role, maybe that first month of the season, because the Eagles still really need to kind of train him to play at this level. Even as a package player, you have to be able to, you know, know certain calls. You have to be able to understand certain defensive looks like there's a lot to it. It's not just learning the playbook and then walk out. Uh, There's an art to playing quarterback in the NFL. It's why, so why there aren't 32 really good starting quarterbacks. Um, and I, I think when you look at a guy like Jordan Melotta, who's never played a meaningful game in his life, he could use every practice rep possible. He didn't really practice last year. Yeah, um, he was on IR all year. Right, you look at Andre Dillard. Andre Dillard's a guy who had an up-and-down rookie season and is facing a lot of pressure. He was brought in to replace the best offensive player of the last 10 years for this franchise. Um, and so that's very difficult. You look at a guy like... Miles Sanders, who's now expected to kind of carry the load and be that guy, you know, what type of development will he have from year one to year two? This is an important year. J.J. arcega whitesides another guy who had a really faulty year last year and needs to be able to prove himself and develop. I think part of the reason we've talked about this before, the part of the reason why you hear about Jason Peters is, you know, there is some uncertainty with this offseason not having that extra work, not having that extra field work, not being able to be hands-on with Coach Stoutland and Andre Dillard. You've got to go with what you kind of know and respect and trust, and I think that could be why you might see the Eagles bring in some familiar faces or guys who have connections to the coaching staff closer to training camp because you know those guys know your system, they know your language, and maybe they make sense here.
0: Yeah, Another one I was thinking of was uh, Jalen Mills' Because yes. uh, they have to they have to see if he actually can play that safety role that they want him to. I mean, you're not going to find that out at minicamp, but at least that you could get a better idea.
1: Yeah, certainly. I, I think that it, when you talk about Will Parks, that learning that Malcolm Jenkins role, luckily, you know, Rodney McLeod and Will Parks and Jalen Mills and, and Malcolm Jenkins are all training together. So they're learning from each other. And I think that that's been helpful. But yeah, it, it, you know. There's a new defensive backs coach in Marquan Manuel and, and being comfortable in his system. I think we talked about players that need that extra time. You look at a guy like Matt Burke, who's never coached the defensive line before. He's either been a defensive coordinator or a linebackers coach. This is his first time getting the opportunity to coach the defensive line in the NFL. You look at Aaron Moorhead, who has a lot of work ahead of him. He's got three rookie wide receivers who are draft picks. He's got uh, a new guy in Marquise Goodwin who you know, has been up and down during his career. He's got to fix JJ or single white side. He's got a lot in his plate that he's got to teach not only from the mental side, but the physical side. I think when we look at, uh, you know, press Taylor, this is his first year as a passing game coordinator. This is his first year with that extra title. And, and I think this, all the time you can get is necessary to make this a, a better go of it. Yes, every team is facing this reality, but you know, for development standpoint, there's a lot of guys, this is a much younger, this is a starkly younger team than it was last year or the year before. So you're counting on a lot of young guys to step up.
0: Yeah. um, Going back to like the minicamp thing, opening up. So today's Monday, we're releasing this on Tuesday, by the way, I should say Um, part of like the, the NFL like sent out a memo uh, to teams, like giving them guidelines for, how to like be like the, what they have to do to, you know, prevent people from contracting the virus or whatever. Um, and one of the things that's kind of people have latched on which I'm still trying to wrap my head around. Uh, maybe you can help me here is, is the whole thing about how they want to have the players uh, do social distancing in the locker room. And there's, I, I haven't been to every team's practice facility, but I know Nova care it's art, there's already not enough space there. When you have media in a 53 man roster, let alone when it's a 90 man roster, the media is probably not going to be in there anyway. But I, I, I just don't like, I, maybe they do it and they have like a schedule of how they go in the locker room. Like, what'd you make of that? Because I also am thinking like when they're on the field, they're going to be close to each other in theory, unless they really like change up the drills or whatever. So I, I, I did, what'd you make of that particular uh, guideline thing?
1: Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because you're going to have offensive line drills where they are yeah. you know, in front of each other, guys on on those, um, I forgot what it's called, but like offensive line coaches on those, uh, what's it called? Um, the sleds. They're going to yeah. be breathing on each other. They're going to be spitting on each other. It's just like, a, I mean, this is just what happens. That's why this thinking that all this could happen on time is a little, not necessarily far-fetched, but, it's concerning because you, you, you know if the guy you're gonna have to test the guys every morning and either that or you're gonna have to keep them in a bubble where they're just at the hotel and then you bring them over, um, which would be kind of a throwback to, to old training camps, but
0: yeah, when they, when they would go to a different location or whatever yeah.
1: Right, yeah, you, you're gonna really have to isolate them if you don't want to test them every day. and if you're testing them every day, then what, what do you have to worry about? I don't really understand that logic. but yeah, if, if you've never seen the inside of the Eagles uh, game day locker room, Oh man, or sorry, uh, game, uh, practice week locker room. I mean, those are very close. I've never seen a locker room that's that, um, tight. Like it's claustrophobic. Well, well in terms
0: of, in terms of practice, I mean, cause we've seen some, uh, oh, yeah, stadium yeah, yeah. locker rooms that are way worse for sure. Yeah,
1: there's a way locker rooms that are smaller, but I mean, just from a, from yeah. a home standpoint and home practice facility. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The Jaguars, their, their, their game day practice uh locker rooms the same as their home like they practice at the stadium so uh it just it's it's very interesting um how they're and
0: i'm even curious how like there's gonna be it's gonna be a lot harder to do team building stuff like you can't do physical activity you you can't even be within six feet of a lot of your teammates which is like i don't i don't know how that can possibly last where it keeps up and then if it doesn't keep up then maybe that leads to more people testing positive and then there's no season. Like there's just like so much unknown, which is why like all the bold declarations about like, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. It's just so early still is the problem.
1: Well, and you, and you know, when the media goes into the the media room, that's also used as the, the main player and special teams film room. I don't know if you can fit 90 players into there.
0: So yeah. uh,
1: let alone coach. No, that's you. a
0: good point. Yeah. I don't, so there, I mean, I think, I think part of it was they're going to have to do most meetings via Zoom. If not, then they have to be able to social distance or whatever. So even though they're going to be in person, I think they still might be doing meetings via their computer, which is just so weird.
1: I mean, this season, it just feels like there's going to have to be an asterisk next to it. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like the NBA. Like, I don't know how anybody is going to be able to be like, yeah, we were the 2020 NBA champions, but. But you guys didn't have like a regular season, you basically yeah. had a pick up and, and every, tournament. You know what I yeah, mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think about it, like LeBron's getting more rest than he ever has in his career too. Like all these guys that were injured are getting healed up. So and none, nobody's played basketball in 3 months. It's I'm I'm excited for that uh NBA tournament, but it's going to be so strange.
1: Yeah, there's not a lot of attrition, right? So you're like yeah. you're basically getting a free start at a like a what is it? Like a 3 month span of, of playing. Yeah,
0: th- yeah, they're doing like 8 games and then the the playoffs. So
1: well, and, and it seems like I was looking at the standings the other day, it was, it, like, aren't there only like four or five more playoff seats to be, you know, decided anyway? So it's yeah, like... yeah,
0: a lot of them are pretty decided and, and all the, and they're doing that like playing game for the eight seed and, and most of the teams are from the West because the East is pretty bad. Yeah, so <laughs> anyway, enough NBA talk um
1: let's get into the questions because yeah we can go into
0: questions uh we'll start with the you can actually do the ones that you got from eagles extra first
1: all right cool uh i tried to decipher through them the two best ones that we got were uh one from my man john um so shout out to john he's probably the most active member of our eagles extra we got a lot of active members but john's the guy that uh I probably have the most back and forth with um so here's what john asked it seems like the eagles have brought a ton of help to peterson and the offensive coaching staff how do they plan to utilize all that help without without staff getting in each other's way what does all that say about peterson's ability to manage a creative offense i think that's a great question by john um whether he means the personnel or the added coaching staff Um, I think Rich Gangarello is probably the most interesting guy that they added. You know, they didn't really replace any, I mean, nobody was really, like, added significantly. I guess you could say Marty Morningway as a um, consultant. But those are the two guys that are probably going to have the most input in play calling because you've taken away, in name, the offensive coordinator position and called um, Press Taylor the passing game coordinator. Um, And I guess in a way you have these two coaches who are basically senior consultants spending time with Press Taylor, developing him as an offensive coordinator, helping him develop a passing game, helping Deuce Daly develop a running game. Um, I look at it from my standpoint, from where I stand is I think these guys are essentially tutors, right? They're guys that can give you extra as the keyword to this podcast perspective, on play calling. Press Taylor's never been a play caller before or a play designer before. You know, Scangarello has some of that experience. Marty Morningwood has a ton of experience when it comes to play calling and play design. So I think they are equipping Press Taylor with two guys who can mentor and tutor him and provide additional experience perspective on the offense. I think that'll be good for Doug Peterson because then Doug Peterson doesn't have to focus all of his energy on press taylor he can focus his energy on the run game he can focus his his energy on the quarterback position he can focus his energy on the wide receiver position which needs a lot of development i think he's hired two guys to be able to provide information and and leadership and dis and and just different perspective in a way that he would normally have to with an all hands on deck head coach from the offensive perspective if that makes sense um I actually think Peterson bringing in guys speaks to a little bit of humility uh, on his part. I think being open to new ideas and bringing in two guys who come from, I mean, Morningweg obviously has a very common offensive minded strategy, but Skangarello, who comes from the Shanahan background, who has a vastly different outlook on the West coast offense. I think having people that agree with you and then people that have a different kind of, outlook helps you become a little bit more dynamic as a play caller and it's just the search for more information that's where i stand on that yeah i,
0: I think they i agree with all that but i i think doug hired those two guys morning wagon sangarello more for him than for the players if that makes sense like yeah. th- that's more of like a schematic thing than they're going to use those guys to tutor the players because i think they trust press taylor with qbs and They hired Moorhead because they would trust him with the receivers and and Doug is going to run the show. But I think those are more to like bring new ideas into the into the whole thing.
1: Okay, and then another question we got. I'm sorry, I I don't have the name for this person. was uh, this is more of a general NFL question. Which teams have the biggest advantage if crowds do not return to stadiums this fall?
0: Teams would have the so they have so they have an advantage if the crowds are not there,
1: yeah. Basically, teams. so I so I would say it's pretty much
0: so I guess it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty much teams that don't have great fans. I would say so. I guess like the Chargers would feel pretty good about themselves. Uh, the I mean, if we're thinking just teams that like actually could be like good, I guess, yeah, the Dolphins, the Jets, maybe. Um, say, like interesting. I wonder if he meant to phrase it that way or if he meant it the other way.
1: I mean, I mean, if you I, want to talk about, I mean,
0: I don't, so what? What teams are do you think are hurt most by? It? I think the Eagles are in the top five for that. I think the Seahawks
1: I mean, are Eagles, up there. Seahawks, I think the Packers, Chiefs, 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 Steelers, uh,
0: yeah, like those, like the teams that are like really like reliant on their fan, like the Eagles. Uh, I was talking to uh, some uh, Seamus Clancy actually. I was talking to the other day for uh, for something else I'm working on. Um, and he was he was talking about how, the, like, the discrepancy for the Eagles' defense when they're on the road versus at home, which is like really significant and jim schwartz always tries to downplay it but it's like it, the defense in particular gets gets the boost from it i think so um it's gonna it's, it'll just be weird it, whether the media is there covering it or not having both you know followed the eagles when i was younger and covered them for the last couple of years like being in the link with just silence like i don't even i can't even picture it i, mean, I guess it would be it'll just be like when we go to those no, it's not even like that because those open practices are a lot of fans there, and it's really loud. So I don't even know what it would be like.
1: Yeah, listening to the Eagles in silence for more than fifteen minutes at a time would be very weird. Like I, I mean, even at practice, I, I think they'll they'll be music blasting in the stadium. They have to do that. You can't just, you know, you know what I mean. Like you're just gonna have to listen to the newest Drake song instead of you know listening to, the you know, dozens and dozens and dozens and. Who's, who is going
0: to boo the Eagles going into the locker room at halftime? That's what I need to know.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll – Maybe they'll. <laughs> That's
0: a part of the experience. The players even, like, are okay with it. They talk about that. Like, they're like, yeah, we deserve that.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, on the road, it's special because it's like uh, – my favorite game that I've covered, I think, since joining this beat is probably the Packers game in week four of this season. And Lambo was so fun. Like, I mean, just to hear that environment of how, you know – the fan base kind of swooned and 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 growled and just was upset about that ending with that walk-off pick. Uh you know, it, it was just a fun thing to cover. You know, you you talked about the Texans game with Nick Foles where the fan base was going nuts. The the um the Chicago Bears playoff game, the double doink. I mean, like you've never heard a crowd like that before in your life, uh just in horror. Um so, you know, that's gonna be missed not only for the TV audience but probably the beat writers because that plays into the the story of the yeah game, for, absolutely for sure. yeah so let's especially
0: get- in Philadelphia yeah let's go to the what we got on Twitter got some good ones here um let's start with this one from at kill a cow oh, that guy, he that guy does a great Bill Simmons impression he's really funny um all right his uh question is will the Eagles make the playoffs or he said will the Eagles make the playoffs
1: well, this year, they're going to have seven seeds and the Eagles have found a way to make it into the sixth or, or the uh, fourth seed the last two years at the last minute. I just think this team is just, there's so much talent to begin with, but on top of that, they have such fortitude and Doug Peterson is so good about keeping the locker room together, even through adversity that, I mean, I think it's a safe bet to assume that they'll either win the division or they'll be one of those three wildcard teams.
0: Yeah, I, I think they make the playoffs unless I mean knowing them, they'll make it interesting and it'll go down to week seventeen again as it always does these days. But um, all right, we got at Irish Eagles said, do the Eagles make a move at defensive end before training camp begins? I'll let you grab that one.
1: So Vinnie Curry's out there. Uh, there's been you know a lot of talk about Everson Griffin and Jadavian Clowney. I just don't see them doing that. I don't see them getting older without bringing in a guy who kind of can play for the minimum i I don't everson griffin's out there because he doesn't want to take a minimum deal um i'd imagine the clowny is well still no matter what even if he drops in price it's going to want at least 12 million dollars 10 million dollars i don't think the eagles are going to fork that over so you know vinnie curry makes a little bit of sense i I, i'm a huge huge josh sweat guy i think he's going to be very very good this year and take a very big leap uh, I think he'll be the number three defensive end, and it wouldn't shock me if Derek Barnett struggles if we see a lot more Josh Sweat this year. Um, I've I run it up several times. I, I just From the salary cap perspective, I just don't see them making a chunk signing. Uh, even if you get Everson Griffin for 6000000 million, I'm not sure that they go that route either.
0: Yeah, I, I think they, they... I mean, it make, it just makes sense to bring somebody like Vinnie Curry and, like, like you mentioned earlier, a guy who knows the system and all that. Um from at dc underscore eight nine five zero dylan colbertson he asked uh watch undrafted running back is the best chance of making the roster so that's between michael warren and adrian killens right
1: right yeah i mean we might as well throw elijah holyfield in there because he's never he was an undrafted free agent and has never played in the nfl you know on a regular season roster um I would say Mike Warren, just because of the productivity that he's had at the college level. He's not fast. He's not really dynamic, but he can pick up short yards. Um, They seem to like him enough that they gave him a decent bonus. I spoke with Adrian Killen's uh, running backs coach at UCF the other day. Spoke glowingly about him, but he, you know, t- to me, he's not a guy that you can just immediately put out there as a finished product. He was part of a four-man rotation last year at UCF. Before that, he was in a three-man rotation. So I think, like, he's a guy who's used to being part of a rotation. And unless you can find a really super niche role for him, he's probably not going to play right away. I- I'd go with Michael Warren right now.
0: I think that makes sense. Uh, I really like this question. Uh, this is from at Jalen Wentz, which is a funny handle uh if there was an expansion draft and we could only protect five players who would be the five core protected players for the eagles you go first Uh, all right i'll carson wentz easily um fletcher cox lane johnson uh oh man this gets tough since so i guess
1: it's that's three
0: yeah i know i'm just trying to think like in terms of because it's you're thinking
1: of the two I'll, i'll go with mine all right um Carson Wentz, obviously, I mean, he's young. You can you can basically play him for another ten years if his you know health status holds up. I would agree with Lane Johnson. Um, I still think he's got another five to seven years left. Uh, I'd probably go with uh, Miles Sanders because I think he's going to be a dynamic star in this league. And spending a draft pick now on top of the expansion draft doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Um, and then I'd probably go Javon Hargrave. Uh, he's got a smaller contract than Fletcher Cox. He's also a lot a, a decent amount younger. And then I'd probably go, hmm, do I want Darius Slay, or do I want um, Derek Barnett? Uh, you know what? I'm going to actually go with Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard's is my fifth guy because he's young. I mean, I, I like Zacherts a lot, but I, I just take Dallas Goddard for the youth.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to go with for my last two. Um, Brandon Brooks and. Oh, man. And Zacherts. OK, I just think you, you just know what you're getting the Zacherts. Yeah, Like I, I mean, so. like the, those are like in terms of like value, those are maybe the five most valuable like kelsey's a hard one to let go but he's also probably gonna retire at some point right yeah. uh darius lay is who i also considered there for sure but um he's oh i mean he's he's obviously really good but you don't even know what he's gonna be yet for them so
1: you just made my kid cry <laughs> <I don't know laughs> if he's like jason kelsey's up.
0: retiring
1: yeah it's rough, <laughs> rough beat rough beat okay um at
0: at notch uh juvent juventino Ask gut feeling will the nfl season start on time oh man that's a good question. yeah i mean
1: i think it'll start on time it won't be with fans it might not be without media i guess we'll, week
0: one will start on time yeah, yes
1: week will will start on time i am gonna say that they're the over under for preseason games is two and if my might arm take be under yeah my, no if my arm uh, if my arm was twisted i would say maybe three um, I don't think they play four preseason games. I think it's a waste of There's no reason any, but... to
0: anyway, yeah, right. without a pandemic, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I, right. I think one of those takes the uh the All
0: cake. right, so now we're going to end on the doozy question, which I put a lot of pre-work into, and you're going to judge my answer here.
1: Okay.
0: Um, Andrew Goldsmith, PhD, said, if, Do- if Dawkins, he means Brian Dawkins, is Weapon X representing the X-Men franchise in the early 2000s, then who would be your current cast Avengers from this Eagles roster?
1: Are we talking right. about like expanded Avengers or are you doing like the original the original I'm, group? I'm here? doing like
0: the MCU Avengers, and I cheated for one answer. Okay. Alright. <laughs> Go. Alright. It's not a perfect alignment, but you'll see you'll hear my explanations for stuff. Alright. Howie Roseman is Nick Fury. I think that's an easy one. <laughs> and, and imagine Howie wearing an eye patch is pretty funny. Uh, in a twist, I have Carson Wentz as Thor, actually.
1: That is a twist.
0: Yeah, because. He comes from a sort of uh, foreign land that people in his new place don't really understand. Like the first, the first Thor movie, he came from Asgard and he and he didn't know much about uh, the world when he came to it. And Carson Wentz went from North Dakota to Philly, which is very different. Uh, Carson Wentz has been beaten down, injured, hurt multiple times, and he's come out on top pretty good. Whereas Thor lost almost his entire homeland, his father, his uh sister his brother uh not to spoil Who, if you haven't seen endgame for some reason or thor ragnarok but i just think the way he's he he has like been knocked down and gets back up still uh and is proving a lot of people wrong i think that hit i think i like that alignment pretty good um and i have zach Ertz as cory as kind of his right hand man (laughs) (laughs) uh and then i also have alshon jeffrey as loki
1: I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were (laughs) going to do that.
0: Self-explanatory. I'm not going to go too deep into that. Uh, This is one of my cheats, but it also kind of made me laugh. I have Jordan Matthews as Sam Wilson. No, that was when I had Carson Wentz as Captain America. So, erase that, actually. Forget that. Sorry. All right. Uh, Jason Kelsey is the Incredible Hulk. Very smart, but also can just go crazy at any moment. Uh, Jake Elliott is Hawkeye. Jalen Mills I have as Peter Quill. Huh, because okay. Peter Quill's a little a little cocky relative to like what his skills are, but he still can get the job done when he needs to. I have Brandon Graham as Drax the Destroyer. Funny big dude gets the job done. I have Avante Maddox as Rocket and Dallas Goddard as Groot.
1: Oh, that's good.
0: Yeah, I like that one. I think Doug Peterson is our Captain America. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I have Jim Schwartz being Bucky.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, uh,
0: Miles Sanders is Spider Man. Boston Scott is Ant Man. Fletcher Cox is Captain Marvel. Very powerful. Uh, kind of disappears every now and then. You don't know where they went. Uh, but when they come back, they're they're still uh, they're still probably the most talented person on the on the battlefield. Uh, Jason Peters is Iron Man. Uh, his time has come to an end. Uh, Lane Johnson is Mbaku from Black Panther. Because I was that was a hard one to find a good comparison to but it's a funny big dude who's really strong uh Deshaun Jackson is Black Panther I have Brandon Brooks as Wolverine because it seems like he keeps getting hurt and then it just comes back even better than before I have War Machine as Isaac Sagamalo because he's kind of he kind of following uh Jason Peters around a little bit and they love each other even though not everybody seems to understand exactly what War Machine does (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I uh I have Malcolm Jenkins as Dr. Strange. No, he's not on the team anymore, but he's got like that cockiness to him. But it's also kind to earn because he's really good and smart. And I have Derek Barnett as Vision, a guy who on paper has a lot of talent and you like, you know, people speak highly of him. But then, you know, you don't really see the performance necessarily all the time. And that's where I, ended. I couldn't come up with a good one for Jalen Hurts. I really struggled on that one. I was trying to, but I
1: couldn't do it. Hmm. Yeah, uh, he, he's Agent Coulson. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, so I a lot to take in here. Because um, I would have, I would have had Kelsey as Thor, and I would have probably had Wentz as Captain America, uh, and then uh, Zach Ertz as Bucky. But uh, yeah, yeah, I get where you're coming from there from a relationship standpoint. If Nick,
0: if Nick Foles was still around, I would have used him as Captain oh, America. Nick Foles
1: <laughs> would have totally been, you know. Yeah, I mean I think
0: uh I mean then you would then you would have had a civil war type scenario where probably one of them is uh Iron Man, you know.
1: Yeah, you know, I <laughs> I was trying to think of who Deadpool would be, but like uh, that's a... it would have been DeAndre Hall for sure, but DeAndre Hall's not on the <laughs> team anymore. But uh I'm trying to think, like, um you know I think the Groot uh rocket comp for avante and uh dallas goddard is like the most <laughs> spot-on thing in the
0: entire world like I couldn't <laughs> have been, well even just know? like even just like the rocket like avante maddox's personality is perfectly like that just always talking he's always having a good time
1: <laughs> yeah i mean you you spent some decent time on this and uh, i apologize andrew that i uh didn't give it the same go i was tr- trying to figure out something with my apartment complex there was this, a kid running around but I'll, I'll make it up to you eventually um <laughs> yeah i mean i i think your list is pretty spot on uh you know uh it's kind of hard not to like make fun of certain guys with with these comps but yeah like, exactly <laughs> you know uh, I, I'm I actually, trying, I'm actually i'm really actually really trying to you know
0: I, re- I really liked my boston scott aiman one because i think it works because boston scott plays a lot bigger than he is and ant-man fights a lot bigger than is than he is if that makes sense cuz when yeah, he gets I smaller agree. he's a lot stronger you know <laughs> and and he's funny and of Scott's, like one of the funniest guys on the team probably
1: what's tough is is there's so many great female characters and you don't I know mean, it's it's really
0: hard to character. it's hard to it's hard to like do the cross-pollination there
1: yeah um
0: i think captain marvel is just based on the pure of the powers and scarlet witch was one i was trying to do because it's like She's more powerful than she realizes kind of thing. And I'm not really sure who that would apply to. Nate Gary.
1: Nate Gary. I don't know. He doesn't have that
0: high of a ceiling is what I would say.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to, like, think of, like, guys
0: that – I mean, the thing is that that's kind of one of their problems with the roster is they don't have a lot of, like, young guys where you're like, he could be a star one day kind of thing, you know?
1: Yeah, you know. I think you did a good job. I'm proud of you. Thanks, man.
0: I appreciate hey. it. As you can see, I take the MCU very seriously. So Clearly. any questions about the MCU, fire them away. Um, all right. So well, I think that's a good note to, to, <laughs> to uh,
1: you know, next wrap tune, it up. In, tune in next week when we, we try to do the DC universe. Uh, and then Star
0: Wars. And yeah, we'll just keep it going, you know?
1: Yeah, we'll just make it a running gag. I like it. All right. We'll wrap it up on that. Thanks for listening, guys.
0: Well, leave us some comments and we'll read them next time. Uh, it's been a little light on those. We haven't had as many episodes as frequently, so I get it. But yeah, leave us some comments on YouTube and we'll read those. Uh, and yeah, we'll get back to you next week. Maybe we some news.